name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <coughs> From time to time I hear the criticism of our worship that it is not upbeat enough. Sometimes the lessons and prayers have serious themes, and sometimes the music has complex emotional tones. <coughs> Some say they prefer a more continuously upbeat note. The truth is that the liturgical mood of worship will depend upon when you're present. Lent tends to be heavy, Easter tends to be upbeat, and Trinity tends to be a mixture of different themes depending upon the given Sunday question. Which is to say that the rhythm of the liturgy and the church calendar is kind of like life, or kind of like the life of Christ. The mood of worship mirrors the highs and lows of Christ's life. And we must live through all of it to fully experience what it means to live in Christ. Most importantly, the pattern of Christ's life teaches us that the pathway to joy lies through the cross. If there is no confrontation of sin, no mournful repentance, and no sense of the fallen nature of this world, then we cannot get to forgiveness and a new creation. The temptation to skip the cross is precisely the temptation that Jesus resisted in the wilderness. In today's gospel, Jesus describes the emotional shift that the disciples would experience in the transition from crucifixion to resurrection. Quote, ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. The disciples wept and mourned when they saw Jesus betrayed, arrested, tried, and crucified. But their sorrow turned into joy when they saw the risen Christ. This is the same emotional transition that we experience again in our various observances during Holy Week. The weeping and lamenting are necessary because there must be a death to atone for our sins. We must remember it and experience it again. Yet, the necessary death leads to the resurrection of Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins to real joy. Now, we do not mourn in exactly the same way as the first disciples. Their mourning was devastation over what they thought to be the end of the life of Jesus and the end of their hope. We mourn because we meditate on our sinfulness, which requires, in the words of the Holy Week hymn, such a price to be paid by such a savior. Some of their mourning, no doubt, bordered on despair. Our mourning is always seasoned with optimism. 
we are sorry for our sins and we try to make good confessions, but we know that Easter is coming and our sins are forgiven. As Thessalonians says, we do not mourn as others who have no hope. This is to say that in Christ, the pain of life has become the pain of birth. This is why the Bible describes the pain of the cross as labor pains. As Jesus said in the Gospel, quote, A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a human being is born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again in your hearts will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. The image of childbirth recalls the punishment and promise that God gave to Eve in Genesis. Quote, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing. Yet, in that same section, God promised that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent, a promise interpreted in the Christian tradition as Jesus crushing the head of Satan. This imagery continues throughout the Bible. The prophet Isaiah says of the trials of Israel, quote, like a woman with child who breathes and cries out in her pangs when she is near her time, so were we because of thee, O Lord. <clears throat> Revelation says of Israel, described therein as the woman clothed with the sun, that, quote, she was with child and she cried out in her pangs of birth in anguish for delivery. And she brought forth a male child who will rule the nations with a rod of iron. Thus, the labor pains caused by sin produce the joy of Israel's Messiah. And we can't get to that real joy unless we have those real pains. When we think about childbirth in reference to Jesus, we usually think about Christmas. But the imagery of childbirth here <coughs> refers to what happened on Good Friday and Easter. The passion and death of our Lord are the labor pains. Easter is the birth of a new kind of humanity. Thus, Revelation describes <coughs> Jesus as, quote, the firstborn of the dead. And we participate in Good Friday and Easter through baptism, in which we are born again. We are born again, but we are also being born again. New life is planted within us in baptism. It's not fully developed. And as this life grows, we experience labor pain. And often, the most painful things are the things that cause the most growth. 
And just as the child within a pregnant mother is destined to break free from the confines of the womb, so the life within us that has been planted with us in baptism through the Holy Spirit is destined to break free from the confines of our mortal body and come to its full fruition on the day of resurrection. This helps us to understand why worship and our life in Christ cannot be simply one continuous positive thinking motivational seminar. If you never think about the pain of life and the reality of death and only focus on positive things, your subjective emotional mood may be more upbeat, but you'll still have the problem of pain and death. Christian faith results in genuine positive thinking because while it does not eliminate the pain of life or the reality of death, it actually conquers both. This is why the most characteristic Christian attitude is joy in the midst of our temporary <coughs> tribulations. Jesus endured the cross with the full assurance that he would rise from the dead as Lord of all. We face our tribulations and our mortality in Christ with the full assurance that we have already conquered the world through faith in Jesus Christ. We have eternal life within us, and it will come to full birth when Jesus comes to raise the dead and renew the creation. Romans says, quote, We who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.